0: The following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Thank you. Good morning. Well, it's uh, great to have you all with us uh, this morning. I thank God for short memories. Um we have certainly been going through the meat grinder in the Gospel of Mark uh, for the last few weeks. Um, and uh, speaking of that, I, I want to say before I get too far, if, if at any time you are witnessing to anyone or share the Lord with, with your friends or neighbors and, and anyone that does not have a Bible and you want to get them one, you can take one right out of the pew and give that to them, and we'll replace it. Don't worry, that's what they are for. So, uh, if you know someone who needs a Bible, go ahead and take one, and uh, we'll make sure that um, more go in its place, okay? So, I just want to put that out there. So, thinking about where we have been in the last few weeks in the Gospel of Mark, um, as I was get ready to prepare for this morning, um, my thought uh, when I read this text was, whew, this had been really hard dealing with some of the texts that we have been dealing with, and uh, and I really felt like, oh, this is, this is going to be easy, but don't worry, that feeling didn't really last very long. <laughs> We're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 13 through 16. And that's page 846 in the Pew Bibles. A little section uh, that's marked, let the, little children, uh, let the children come to me. Um, and before we read that, I want to ask you, um, do you remember in your own Bible reading any time that Jesus was angry? What And what specifically, what, what context? What was going on? The money changers in the temple? Yeah. Well, the Gospel of Mark doesn't actually say that he was angry when he did that. Perhaps the other Gospel uh, accounts did. But that's, I thought, the same thing. And you're not wrong. Any other times? But did he say that? Well, I might have done that with a smile on his face. <laughs> you brood <brutal> of vipers. <laughs> I guess that's possible. That's possible. Well, I will uh, spare you uh, any more guessing. This text this morning, the little children, let the children come to me, is, a, is an account where it is recorded that Jesus was indignant, angry, Um, not at the children, although it would be understandable if he were, if he'd been around children before. Um, This is one of the times where Jesus is said to be indignant, indignant, so we have that to look forward to in our text. So let's look at the text together, and then we'll pray. Mark chapter 10, start at verse 13. And they were bringing children to him, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful to be able to gather freely in your name to read your word, to consider it, um, to look to your word for instruction. I thank you that we have all these paper copies of the Bible to read in our own language. What a blessing that is. We have the freedom to read it. We pray that you would continue to protect that freedom. Lord, we ask that your Spirit would speak to us now, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be soft to receive your message. And we ask, Holy Spirit, if necessary, that you would change us to be more like you. We love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, around about the time that Jesus had been teaching on divorce that we went through last week in the region of Perea, which is just east of the Jordan River, north of Jerusalem, some people brought children to Jesus so that he would bless them. And this was not uncommon. Seeking a blessing of, of rabbis and prophets was an ancient and well-known practice. Um, it's like getting your picture taken with a famous person, right? Getting their autograph. I have a I have a great picture, one of my favorite pictures of Daniel as a baby. If you could imagine, once upon a time, he was only this big, and that was the day he was born. Um, When he was a baby, I have a a picture of him being held by Irving Fryer. Now, if any of you are old Patriots fans, you'll know who Irving Fryer is. Uh, He was a wide receiver for the New England Patriots. He came to Portland to preach And we went to hear him speak. We didn't go there to say, Mr. Fryer, would you please lay your hands on my children or anything like that. But uh, it was a blessing anyway, and I have a great picture. And his hands, huge. It's incredible. Anyway, well, on this occasion, people were seeking the Lord to bless their children, to lay his hands on them and pronounce a blessing. And unfortunately, these people who are seeking the Lord's blessing ran into the disciples first. That seemed to be a problem. When the, kids, uh, when the people came with the kids, the, disi- the disciples strongly disapproved of their requests and would have prevented them from going to Jesus. Now, why do you think that was? Is that a reasonable thing? Don't trouble the master with your kids. Yuck, they're just kids. Get them out of here. Get these kids out of here. This was just another example, poor example, unfortunately for them, uh, just another of one of many examples of the disciples' pride. They still did not understand how the kingdom of God worked or would work. They didn't want these people to trouble the Lord with all these dirty, smelly, snotty, noisy little kids. Ain't nobody got time for that. Get these kids out of here. I sometimes feel that way. I don't. uh, Not about your kids. (laughs) About my own. So... (laughs) So it's reasonable. Let's close in prayer, right? <laughs> they didn't do anything wrong. No. In just the last chapter, the disciples were guilty of trying to get a guy who was casting out demons in Jesus' name, trying to get him to stop because he wasn't part of their little group. He wasn't following with them. Uh, and they had been busted for arguing over which of them was the greatest, right? Who's going to be the next one in line once. If Jesus really going to go away, some of us, somebody's got to take over. And Jesus had held up a child in their midst and told them, whoever receives one such child as this in my name receives me. If you receive me, you receive the Father who sent me. Now, these words were not that old when this happened. So they still had, the disciples still had this huge self-importance problem. Well, fortunately, it stopped with them. You know, nobody else has ever had that issue since. Problems with self-importance. I wonder if you can hear the disciples saying to these parents and caregivers, uh, whoever it happened to be, get these kids. Kids, get the kids out of here. Don't trouble the master with babies. He's got more important things to do than deal with babies. Are you kidding? Get out of here. I don't want to bother with you all. And they were obviously doing more than just looking down their noses on kids, which is, of course, approved behavior for the church just to look down on them without saying anything, right? Crooked, crooked looks over your glasses. That's why glasses were invented. They are obviously doing more than just being annoyed that kids were nearby, right? For Jesus to become indignant with them. That word indignant in verse 14, a very strong word. Jesus was angry our translators are more polite. I don't know why. But Jesus was angry with the disciples for trying to chase the kids away. Right? What they were doing was wrong and worthy of Jesus' anger. Okay? Now, the children who were brought to Jesus weren't children in need of healing. It wasn't, My poor baby is sick. My child is dying. It doesn't say that. They just wanted his blessing. They didn't come to him with with their problems. He just came for Jesus' blessing. I think there's a lesson in there. They didn't come with their problems. They just wanted their kids to be near Jesus and have his blessing on them. There's a lesson in that. But the disciples met them first. And in their pride and sense of self-importance, they would have denied these children a time with Jesus. And in response, Jesus gave us some of the most poignant and memorable words in Scripture. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. That doesn't line up with what the disciples were thinking at all. So the moral of the story is be nice to children because Jesus is nice to children. Okay, let's close in prayer. <laughs> well, the teaching here in this passage is, is simple, but not that simple. In examining the characters in this account, we can already see that the disciples are, were wrong, Right? In their pride, they would turn away these unimportant little nuisances, But where the disciples were in the wrong, the parents or the people who brought the children, whether it's their nursemaid or whatever, I don't know, whoever brought the children to Jesus was certainly in the right. They were doing the right thing, bringing their children to Jesus. And that's perhaps the most important responsibility of any parent, it's not what you necessarily what you do for a job or how big house or nice car or that you provide well for your children and they're all well clothed and well educated and, and have everything that they need and the latest video games and, and all that sort of thing. What's most important is that we bring our children to Jesus to teach them who he is and what he has done for them. And pastors can help, and Sunday school teachers and children's ministry workers can certainly help. But it is the primary responsibility of parents to show their children who Jesus is. As Alistair Begg said, the expectations of those who brought the children were understandable. The response of the disciples was unacceptable. And the indignation of the Lord was unmistakable. Why did the disciples deny the children? Because children are weak and helpless and unimportant. They were the low men on society's totem pole. Right? The bottom rung of the ladder. And Jesus said... The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The kingdom of God does not belong to the self-important and the proud. One cannot earn their way into the kingdom of God based on their, their merits or their pedigree, their accomplishments or their heritage. And we will see later in this chapter, the kingdom of God does not belong to the rich of this world. As if one could buy their way in with their wealth and prestige and position. No. The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Weak, helpless, unimportant. Now this might sound foreign to us because in modern society, modern parenting, children are not were not then seen as the center of the parents' universe, right? Uh, And given a false sense of importance and entitlement. They were seen as what they were, dependent and weak and humble and helpless. That is exactly how one must receive the kingdom of God. We don't receive faith in Christ because we deserve it. After all, we are God's children, right? Don't we deserve his salvation? He made us, after all. You know, not everyone born is God's child. You only become God's child through adoption, through faith in Jesus Christ. So when someone says, we're all God's children, no, we're not. We can only be adopted into his family through faith in Jesus. Not everybody gets in that's a sad fact we must recognize that we are sinners in need of a savior unable to keep ourselves from sin we need rescuing and all we can do is like a child humbly reach our arms up to the savior like a child to his father or mother Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Friedrich Schleiermacher. Yes, I've practiced that all week. Old Fred wrote, It is the proper nature of a child to live altogether and absolutely in the present. What the present moment brings, it receives with simplicity and joy. The past vanishes from its vision of the future. It knows nothing. And every passing instant suffices for the happiness of its innocent nature. So when you see, the, unless you enter the kingdom of God like a little child, how are we supposed to do that? Act like a bunch of kids, Right? Quit blowing our nose. He uses our sleeve. Right? Is that it? No. It's simple. Simplicity living in the moment. Understanding that Jesus loves us. And he died for us. And we simply extend our arms to him in faith. And he receives us as his own. We talk a lot about doctrine and important teaching and that is not lost in childlike faith it's important but you don't trade one for the other we don't gain entrance into God's eternal kingdom through our vast understanding and ability to say words like Schleiermarker which I just said wrong that's not it it's simple trust I couldn't help but think about these boys Peter, you got it right, man. Children are simple, not in a derogatory way, right? Their understanding is simple. They are direct. They're curious. They're full of wonder. They're teachable and trusting and humble and utterly dependent. They're blank slates. And and such must our minds be to the pen of the Holy Spirit. Blank slate. Teach me, Lord, how to live, how to obey. Teach me of your love, your love for those around me. If we do not accept the kingdom of God on the same basis as children, weak, helpless, unimportant, we will not enter it. When we start to tell God what he ought to do or how he ought to feel or the rules he should have written or the ones he should have left out, this is not entering the kingdom of God as a child. This is not entering the kingdom of God at all. We cannot tell him. You know, I don't really think you're on the mark with this particular thing. How come your word says that? I don't like that. Nobody should say that. Is that entering the kingdom of God like a child? Certainly not. I didn't want to say some of the things I had to say last week. I don't like some of those things. But that doesn't matter. This is the way God has to set it up. And I don't have the right to say to him, mm, maybe you should have asked me first, uh, because there are some things maybe we could skip. Right? Just let it go. Let people be. But that's not the way it goes. If we do not accept the kingdom of God on the same basis as children, weak, helpless, unimportant, simple, direct, curious, full of wonder, teachable, trusting, humble, and utterly dependent, we must recognize who we really are in order to gain entrance to God's eternal kingdom we don't bring anything to the table kids are cute right but what do they bring they're cute right they're really good at finding places to hide Cheerios in your living room and good at making a mess But the moral of this little tale is not simply be nice to children. Jesus loves the little children of the world. That song has been going over and over in my mind. But that's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is to let go of our pride and accept Jesus and his kingdom like children do. Not based on our merits. Or accomplishments or power or position. We must recognize that Jesus did not choose us because we are particularly special. Or as if he needs what we bring to the table, right? He's not building a baseball team. Oh, you've got the really good arm, and you know, you're good catcher, we need you. That's not the way God's kingdom is built. We don't bring anything, but he calls us to himself. Jesus chooses us because he chooses us, not because we're special. He chooses us because he is special, and that's what makes us special, because he chose us. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we earn, all our talents and ability and our skill and our charm and wit, our cleverness, maybe just talk about me, but all that earns is death doesn't earn a place in God's kingdom? All of our self-importance and our pride is bound for that maggoty, burning trash heap. That's what it's worth. That's what we bring. But by simple faith in Jesus Christ, trusting him, trusting his word, We are set free from that awful fate. And we are given the gift of eternal life with him in his blessed kingdom that Craig read about this morning. Adopted as children of the father to be with him in his kingdom. We don't invite him to join us in our kingdom. Our kingdom pales in comparison Childlike faith lays aside all thoughts of status and privilege. It redefines our definitions of significance. We are not accepted by Jesus because we are special. We are special because we are accepted by Jesus. And like children are inquisitive and curious, always learning, always trusting, always dependent, So we must also be inquisitive and curious about the Lord and his word. Always learning from him and from his teachers, always trusting him for guidance and always dependent on him for grace. He's given us a great gift in his word. If you want to learn what God is like, that's where we go. We don't go to nature. We don't go uh, to our own selves or study people to see what God is like. He has described himself in his word. What we need is here. There are certainly lessons we can learn from nature and from people and, and all that. But he has given us everything that we need for life in godliness right here. I love that the Lord brought you back to Psalm 23. It used to be a basic elementary principle of education. You know the Lord's Prayer. You know the Shepherd's Psalm, right? These are the elementary principles. We must go back to them. Trusting in God to shepherd us, to lead us beside the quiet waters to restore our soul. Jesus will do that for us. We are dependent on him. And Jesus took the children in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. I pray that he will take you into his arms and bless you as you trust in him today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful that you are a God who loves us. You don't love us because of our skill or ability or talents or good looks, wealth or privilege. We don't know why you love us, but you do. And for that, we are grateful. We thank you for the spirit of adoption, that by faith in Jesus Christ, we can be adopted as your children. I pray, Father, you'd give us all courage to accept accept that for ourselves and extend that offer to others, to share with our friends and family and neighbors that you do love them, you died for them, so they would not have to die in their sin, but be adopted as your children. Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit we would lay aside our pride and our feelings of self importance to recognize that we don't bring gifts to you, you give gifts to us. We thank you for your great love, for sending your son Jesus to die in our place, die on the cross, the death that we deserve. What our pride and self-importance earns is death. And you took that upon yourself on the cross, and we are forever grateful for that. May we put our trust in you, that you paid the penalty for our sin, that we should turn from it, turn to you, trusting in you and not in ourselves, following you and not following ourselves in our own pride. May you fill us with your Holy Spirit. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipie, New Hampshire, 03890.